Hello and welcome to another Christmas edition of Childhood Remastered. This is the podcast where we look back at the cartoons and shows and things of yesteryear of our youth and see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is, you know, far too often the case. I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And today we're going to be looking at a film that uh, both Chris and I watched a lot when we were kids. Uh, it was a regular Christmas movie around our homes, and that would be Mickey's Christmas Carol. Mickey's Christmas Carol was an animated short or a featurette released in 1983, December 16th, and it was... Consequently, the year that both of us were born. That's true. And it was released as part of a re-release of The Rescuers in 19, that was originally released in 1977. Uh, actually, The Rescuers was a pretty successful film in and of itself. The budget was only about 7 mil, and the... Its box office, I think, was about seventy-one. Yeah. Well, that, but, well who was that? Bob Newhart and uh, and uh, what's her name? Ava Gabor. Yeah. Jaja yeah. Gabor. Yeah. I mean, the one of the Gabors. That's a movie we should cover the the production process of how they came to do that movie. Uh, could like really take you down the Wikipedia rabbit hole too. Yeah, I actually um, watched the I watched the second one first, and then I watched the first one. That was my first introduction. Was Rescuers Down oh, Under? And then I watched I saw the first one as a little kid. So I'd seen that one first. Yeah. First one is um, kind of terrifying a little bit for a little kid. It is. Uh, but, well, I don't want to mention too much in case we do it later. Yeah. But the project that they almost ended up working on would have been way crazier. This was part. Of, this was released ahead of The Rescuers at the same time when it was in the theaters. as kind of like a, hey, here, we're giving you something for free. And they were re-releasing The Rescuers in, 1990s, in 1977 because they were already... 1983? Or sorry, 1983. Right, uh, they were already putting this re-releasing Rescuers in 1983 because they were already starting to do the planning process for Rescuers Down Under. Wow, all the way Wait. back then. Yes, that movie didn't come out until like 91 or I think yeah, 90 90 or 91. 91, something like that. Yeah, Marahute. Oh yeah, so uh, General Patton. Yeah. Oh yeah, George um, C. Scott. So Joanna, this this is based off of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, probably which, one of the most serialized adapted christmas stories of all time yes uh before we do that i'm going to open up a beer this is from mother earth brewing company it's a, a cream ale it's a vanilla cream ale and uh it's from vista california so we're gonna open up some beer and sean i think is drinking some uh I'm 805 because as always sean drinks 805 i love 805 i love that my uncle once told me that 805 was Made especially for the Central Valley because he lives up in uh, he lives up in Ventura County. We live down in Orange County, and he told me very proudly one day that 805 was made especially for the uh, Ventura County by Firestone because you know it was, it was for them, and you could only get it in Ventura. And I had to sadly inform him that no, you can get it everywhere because I've been drinking 805 for a while. And he yeah. said, "Oh." Oops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, burst, I burst his bubble a little bit on that one. But whatever, it's still a good beer. So so again, this is a this is basically a animated version of a Christmas carol, which was written in 1843 in London. And so that was when it was first published. And when he wrote it, it actually was kind of written in the waning time during a waning time of his career. His his career was on the decline already. And it was a visit to the city of Manchester that started his need and want to write this story. He had seen some kind of social inequity, and that's why he... One of the things motiv motivated him to do this. He also had kind of a crappy childhood or like a, uh, a troubled home life as a kid. As all the best writers normally do. Yeah, and um, and so part of that actually is what what drives the duality of Scrooge of uh, Ebenezer Scrooge's personality. You're about to I'll, say Scrooge McDuck, weren't you? I was. <laughs> I don't care cuz Scrooge McDuck is my Scrooge, but so oh. Ebenezer Scrooge is like this kind of cold and stingy recluse. Yeah, he's a miser. But he's also by the end this redeemed uh generous kind of saintly character. Yeah. Um, he has an evolution as a as a person after seeing the error of his ways and he yeah. changes his he changes his ways to uh to better benefit humanity. 
Yeah, and, and so I guess it was. It, from what I've read, it looks like that 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 was partially motivated by his feelings about his dad. He had kind of had this like love hate kind of. Now that's Charles Dickens, not Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, Charles Dick, Dickens when he wrote Scrooge. Yeah. Um, well, this was a this was an uh, adapted form of a 1974 audio musical that Disney recorded. Disney used to do a lot of cool shit. They did a lot of cool shit. They did. Uh, they did records and they did. Like they, specials, you know, they had like a big section of time when they didn't really do anything. So, from I think it was 1953 with the Simple Things, which is an animated uh, Mickey Mouse short that was put out in the theaters, until 1983 when this movie came out, they didn't do any Mickey Mouse stuff. Like he might be like a guest on Mickey Mouse Club or something, but but these characters didn't really get any coverage. They kind of they I think they went through. Um, they went through this period where everything was about live action. Yeah. Um, like Annette Funicello and all of this stuff. And there was decades where the focus was on live action. There was like Davy Crockett. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff like that. And then they immediately, they got into animation like in the, in around the 80s or so. And that's that's when we got like Little Mermaid and Aladdin and all of these things. And we had this, and uh, DuckTales. Yeah. And, and we had this renaissance of animation that died off. Uh, around the early 2000s, like with Hannah Montana and all of these live action shows that Disney did. Yeah. So now we're in a glut again. I hope they come out of it, but... Yeah, but, Disney used to do... But this was kind of part of the resurgence. 1983's Mickey's Christmas Carol is part of that animated resurgence. Yeah, Disney used to do a lot of animated shorts, animated theatrical shorts that would play in front of things where... Ooh, that does, that's very creamy beer. Give it a go. Um, so Disney used to do a lot of animated shorts, theatrical shorts that would play in front of other movies. Yeah, they uh, some of these animated shorts were it's smoky. Yeah, it's good, huh? It t- you know what that? It tastes like I was. It tastes almost like you're. Yeah, it, it's it's like, yeah vanilla cream. It tastes like you're drinking a vanilla cream soda. Soda, yeah, but huh. yeah, it's kind of good. But they would do these animated shorts before before theatrical releases, and you know you've seen them. They're the ones where you, you know you you could tell. Who was going to be in the cartoon based on the intro? So you would have like we the, just watched one before we recorded. Yeah, you would have the, <laughs> you would have sort of the little Disney the Disney like background logo, and then whoever the character was that was going to be featured in the cartoon, their their head would zoom towards the screen. So you know, oh, it's a Donald Duck cartoon, or yeah. oh, it's a Mickey Mouse cartoon, or it's it's uh, it's a Goofy. That was usually it was one of those three. It was Goofy, Mickey Mouse, or Donald, because all the other characters played supporting roles. Like you had Chip and Dale that was usually in a Donald Duck cartoon, and you right. had like or occasionally Mickey Mouse, but usually Donald Duck. Yeah, yeah. and there was a there was a period of time they always where act the, as like agitators. Yeah, there was a period of time where the three of them, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy, had a bunch of had a bunch of like combined yeah. uh, theatrical shorts. Moose Hunt and the, and the ghost hunting one. And I remember there's several. The the one in the in the RV. There's a that, bunch that's of the them. one I was gonna say. I yeah. remember the one in the RV where Donald's in the back and he's Donald and Goofy are in the back and they're trying to eat and Donald keeps getting all the stuff knocked out of his way so he yeah. can't eat and Goofy while they're eats driving everything. on the mountain pass. Yeah, yeah. So this was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Animated Short Film in '84. It lost, but um, but it was the first nomination that they had had. Since uh, 1948. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that that always makes me think is how old Disney's animation is. Not like in a bad way. It's like you think about the, you think about all of the, the, the theatrical releases that you were, that you were used to that, you know, like your Snow White's and your Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella and Jungle Book and all these, all these cartoons that like most of us grew up with. And those all happened so long ago. Like Snow White was what, nineteen thirty nine, thirty eight. I don't, I, I don't remember. Late off the, off the top, yeah, of my it's head. like late thirties. And no, no, early thirties. Early, oh, wait, was it thirty two? Yeah, I think 33? so. So you have Snow White that was in the thirties, and then you have you have like Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty that I think were in the fifties. Yeah, something and like, like that. Like one hundred and one Dalmatians was from the sixties. Like, yeah. So much of that animation that we grew up with was just gone. Or you, well, gone, but like in, in the past. Have you seen, uh, there's this game that's supposed to be coming out. It's been supposedly coming out for years now called Cuphead. 
It's designed in that 1930s animation style. Yeah, I have seen that. It's designed sort of like Betty Boop style. Yeah. Like well, old, it, old Looney Tunes. Well, and Disney, too. Disney had a lot of the, the same animation style in yeah. this, at this time period. Anyways, there's this game that looks really cool. Same animation style. It's like a side-scroller. Uh, but it just, it like, it made me think of that because the animation style is is kind of... It still feels timeless, but vintage at the same time. Yeah, like, the animation it, style of, of Mickey's Christmas Carol? Or just no, Disney's just, just in Disney's in general. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this, this actually still kind of... I'd say that the animation style in this is kind of a mix between the stuff that Disney was putting out in the seventies, like uh, like the seventies and early eighties. Like, you know what it reminds? It does remind me a lot of the Rescuers, the original Rescuers. It's sort of that same little. You know bit, what it is? It's a the little. Col- it's the color palettes. The yeah. color palettes are very similar. Yeah, it's a little. I watched bit, it not that long ago. A little bit grainy and similar like lines. It, like, yeah, it, it's it's the, they're kind of like. Earth toned blues and greens, yeah, and, and 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 the colors tend to have a lot of grayscale in them. Yeah, if, if you watch um, these two back to back, which maybe I mean they obviously were probably made around the same time, correct? Well, one was in seventy seven, one was in eighty three. That went with the re release well, of the seventy seven film. Yeah, so. but the one the one in eighty three was probably started to be. I mean, you can't make a cartoon. They probably worked on it five years before that. Yeah, you can't yeah, make a cartoon so. in in a couple months. So yeah, no. It, but you know th- this is this is um, kind of interesting for us to go back and, and rewatch. I think. Oh yeah. So this was a short film that was worked on by John Lasseter, and this was his only Mickey Mouse short film that he's ever worked on. John Lasseter, of course, is from Pixar, Lucasfilm. But, oh yeah. But this is kind of an interesting little like side project that he he was involved in back when he was with Disney before he left and then came back. And what's cool about this? What's cool about this uh, this this movie is that pretty much every major Disney character, Disney animated character, that's not like a like a theatrical release princess or something that was in like a, a, a big theatrical release movie. Pretty much every other like Disney short film character makes a cameo in this, uh, or, or plays a major character. Most in this. of them do. Yeah. Yeah. You have Scrooge McDuck. I mean, you have Ebenezer Scrooge, who's played by Scrooge McDuck. Played quotes. We do have a we have characters from Wind in the Willows and Robin Hood and a bunch of these other films. Yeah, background characters. You obviously have Mickey and Donald. You right. have um, you have Daisy shows up in a in a flashback. You have the giant from Mickey and the Beanstalk. Willie. You have you have, yeah. uh, you have Jiminy Cricket, who I guess I just lied because he's in Pinocchio and he's that's a theatrical release. That's true. Um, you also and have, some side characters from. Uh, Robin Hood, yeah, and Black so, and Black Pete, which so so those are like kind of those match up, but uh, I think we we have to kind of talk about like some of the people involved in, in this project because this is kind of a variable who's who of like Disney legends. So this is directed by Bernie Mattinson, who was inducted into the Disney Legends program in two thousand eight, and his dad was a famous musician. He, he was a jazz drummer who at one point worked with Elvis and. He worked on Lady and the Tramp, and uh, he became a character animator on Robin Hood and Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2. Um, he has story credits for, like, Rescuers and uh, Black Cauldron, Great Mouse Detective. I love uh, more that recently, movie. he did uh, Big Hero 6, but he also did Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and Lion King. And so he's basically been a part of Disney for the better part of the last almost 40 years. Yeah, I think the first thing that he did, one of the first things he did was work on Lady and the Tramp. His and the Tramp was was that in the fifties? I think so. Yeah, his wife was a Disney artist who worked on several Disney films too. We could probably discuss her for a few minutes as well, but I, I didn't. You know, we don't need to get into that because she didn't work on this. But oh, okay. Um, Bernie Mattinson also directed The Great Mouse Detective, which I love that movie. It'd be fun to do. Yeah, I love that movie too. Yeah, Bernie so- Matt- Mattinson also produced this. He was also one of the lead people on Story. But in addition to him, the story was done by Tony Marino who's a former writer for Disney Animation, and he worked from 81 to 85. But he also worked on uh, Black Cauldron. And and non-Disney stuff, he worked on Beetlejuice, the animated series, the real Ghostbusters, he did a few episodes, Widget the World Watcher. <laughs> um, all cartoon. 65 anim- uh, episodes of Dennis the Menace. Uh, you remember Widget the World Watcher, right? I do. You know there's a video game for that that came out early in the Super Nintendo life? Um, you it's know a side-scrolling action, that uh, game scene, action platformer, that, and it's kind of fun, actually. I, it's you know, hard. It, 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 I'm reminded of that, yeah. Cowboys and Moo Mesa, which we've mentioned before. I can't wait till we cover that. 
and then this the story was also worked on by Ed Gomer, who's a former animator and storyboard artist for Disney. And he worked there from 75 to 2004. He has an Annie Award and a Hugo Award for Aladdin. Worked on Mulan and Pocahontas. and Basically everything from the second Disney Renaissance. Yeah. Everything from the 90s. Yeah, so from, I think Mulan, uh, I think he worked from like Lion King until like Tarzan. So from well, 94 also- to 95. But then he worked on other stuff. He did like Kung Fu Panda, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Um, he did work on Little Mermaid. He worked on DuckTales. He was a character designer for 65 episodes. And the DuckTales movie, The Treasure of the Golden Sun. Treasure of the Golden Sun? I thought it was The Treasure of the Lost Lamp. Was it? Yeah. Treasure, oh. of the, Treasure of the Golden Sun. Maybe that's what the name was in another country. Might have been. Yeah. But, but oh, he worked on uh, Rescuers and Fox and the Hound and some of these other ones. You know, it seems like a lot of people worked on Black Cauldron. I have to, I have to be honest. I don't think I've ever seen Black Cauldron. I, you know, I've seen it. It's, it's... It's. I mean, it's not Disney's best work, but I don't think it's terrible. It was just a lot darker of a tone of a movie than Disney was used to. I've seen some of the special effects that seem kind of weird. Um, I think the special effects for what they were were amazing. Yeah, I mean, they. Fe- it just feels weird and out of place. But I, I haven't yeah. seen the film, so well, maybe some- we'll maybe we'll watch it. It really wasn't from our youth yeah. because that movie came out in the. Well, no, it did. It came out in eighty five. Eighty five. Yeah. yeah. So, so we were two, I guess. You know. But I mean, yeah. I mean, I, who cares? I watched. I watched Snow White when I was seven, and that movie came out in the thirties. So yeah, I think I think the definition of what is our youth, what we what we watched in our youth, doesn't necessarily have to be stuff, stuff that, that came out when we stu- were kids. Yeah, yeah, it's stuff that we watched when we were kids. Yeah, I watched all kinds of stuff when I was a kid. Oh, I watched um, too much stuff. So Don Don Griffith worked on this too. He joined Disney in thirty seven at nineteen years old and worked for Disney. Holy shit! Was this for one of like fifty two years? I was gonna say, is this one of the last movies he did? He died in 87. He stopped working for them in 85, I think, on Black Cauldron. And he only took a brief a brief break to fight in World War II with the Merchant Marines. Um, this guy was pretty devoted to Disney. Uh, he, I, I, he worked for... I mean, he worked on... I didn't even bother to write down all the stuff that he... I just did like a... Like a highlight gri- reel? Like a highlight reel because... I mean, we're talking like Peter Pan and Sleeping Beauty, Mary Poppins, Sword in the Stone... He worked on Bedknobs and Broomsticks and Jungle Book and Alice in Wonderland, uh, Adventures of Ichabod Crane and Mr. Toad, which my kid loves that, by the way. I like that one, too. It's good. It's such uh, a weird It's such a weird combination of two movies. Yeah, I, it's uh, Bing Crosby does uh, the singing for that, I believe. Ichabod, Ichabod Crane. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. No, I, lo- I love that movie. Uh, so he also worked on this film with Disney. I don't think I, I, I remember seeing it. But I don't remember much about it, but it's called So Dear to My Heart, and it's a half-live-action, half-animated film about an animated lamb, but everybody else is live-action, and it has to do with, like, uh, trying to get the... This kid is trying to get this lamb to compete in, like, a farm something or whatever, but I I remember... I think I remember scenes of it. The lamb is, like, this uh, black animated lamb, and uh, this huh. little this little kid and his his uncle helps him, and... I really want to go back and watch this now because I'm I'm intrigued. I don't remember much about it. Yeah, I, I haven't it heard of that at all. It just sounds like I mean, it's like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but 50 years earlier. Ever, Think no, about that. You know what it reminds me of is uh, Did you ever see um, the Three Amigos or Saludos Amigos? Yeah, there yeah. were there were parts of that movie where it you know Donald and I can't ever remember Three Amigos didn't happen until the 50s though, right? There was Saludos Amigos was first. I mean, yeah, I and think then, it was like 47, 48, something like that. And then the Three yeah. Amigos was later. But like in Saludos Amigos, they had um, they had live action segments too where the, the characters were animated and they, and they interact, interact. They interacted with like live action because it was supposed to be a... Oh, yeah. No, that I was, was That was supposed to be like a, a sort of goodwill enterprise to South America, South and Central America. So they'd interact with like dancers and stuff. There was this animated short that he worked on called Susie the Little Blue Coop made in 52 and I love that animated short I know most people may not even know what the hell I'm talking about but it was like one of my favorites when I was a kid it was this uh, animated blue uh, convertible coop 
the uh, car mm-hmm. and uh, he gets neglected uh, like he's loved and the, his driver loves him and then he ends up neglected and then somebody buys him and restores him and then he's like loved Does again. Does he turn it in? I, I think I remember yeah. they, and it's like kids that buy it and they turn it into like a racing car. Uh-huh. Oh, I remember yeah. that then. Yeah, no, I totally remember that. And I think one of the weirdest things that this guy worked on, um, Sean had never heard of this, but I had, it's called Tuberculosis Health for the Americas and it's an it's a... PSA put out in 1945 about preventing tuberculosis. It's completely animated, and we're going to put it into the link description for the show. Uh, Dateline America. It's tuberculosis uh, is ravaging across the country. That's very accurate to this. I'm not joking. It's so weird. You have to watch it. If you see someone coughing, annoy, annoy them and also avoid them. And you can easily tell it's by Disney, too. Like, it's Disney's, like, animation style. Like, mostly, like, scenery and background and, like, waterfalls and wanna, all this stuff. I want to see Disney animate someone dying of tuberculosis. I don't know. If, I can't remember if they if that's actually part of it. But it's definitely, like, people, like, checking their water quality and stuff. It's very, it's very weird. Uh, if you see someone coughing, stay the fuck away from them or you will die too. See something, say something. Right? Um, <laughs> don't breathe the air. And the, the last guy, uh, not last guy, but but um, another guy to add who was on story is Alan Young, who is the voice of Scrooge McDuck. Who was the voice of, like, all Scrooge McDucks until recently. He was the voice of Scrooge McDuck until this year. He died in, ni- in 2016, in May, at yeah. 96 years old. Well, by the time so, he... Yeah, no, 2016. He yeah. had his own variety sh- uh, sketch show on radio and TV, and he won uh, two Emmys. One in, in radio in the 40s and one for TV in the 50s. He served during World War II. Um, now with, he, was, he is Canadian. He served with the Royal Canadian Navy. He's Canadian, but was he was he actually Scottish? I don't remember. I want to say that he I was. Think, Scottish I think he was or Scottish, Irish. And then, and then he decided to do like a deferment with the Royal Canadian Navy, and then they were going to post him with the British... I don't remember because at but, that time, um, at that time, I'm not too up on my Canadian history. But at that time, I mean, if he was from Scotland, Scotland's a part of Great Britain, and I think at that time, Great Britain was very. I mean, Canada has pictures of Queen Elizabeth on their money, so I'm assuming that the, uh, <laughs> I'm assuming that the immigration policies between Great Britain and Canada were very lax or are very lax. Yeah, there was a close relationship. There still is. Yeah. Um, it, it, he was also... Um, Dirty Knuckles. He, he retired for several years and founded a uh, broadcast division for the Christian Science Church. And then the last guy is a, is a guy named uh, Alan Dinehart. He worked on Glow Friends and the Mr. T television series. Oh, God. Um, the, you know there's a, a series for Dragon's Lair? Did you yes, see I it? Yes, I do. Yeah, okay. no, I know that. Yeah. And one that I... I By the want... way, do you know who... Do you know who uh, who created the the uh, Dragon's Lair series? No, you don't. It's Don Bluth. Oh, that's right. We can, yeah, I think we were talking about that that one day. Yeah, it, it's him and uh, it, he created that in Space Ace. Oh man, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Well, there's so the there, animation like re, like jogs your memory though when you think about Space Ace. Oh and yeah, Dragon's it makes Lair, sense. It's like, like well, oh, that's, that's Don a, Bluth is. I mean, his animation style is very like Don Bluth, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah, there was an animated show that I keep trying to talk Sean into letting us do, <laughs> and the reason why he keeps saying no is partially because it's creepy as fuck. <laughs> it's terrible, and and also partially because the episodes are impossible to find. Uh, we've che- I've checked multiple so- uh, sources and sites online, and I can find maybe three or four episodes. It might have to be like a short, like cover that we do. It's this animated show called Turbo Teen, where this kid he morphs into a car depending on if he's uh, exposed to hot or cold, and it is the most terrifying thing you'll see in your life. It's probably one of the more terrifying uh, transformation. It is thing. absolutely. Yeah terrifying his teeth become the grill and his eyes become the headlights and he just sort of his whole face stretches and it's it's not like it's not like in transformers where it's like and he like turns no, they into a car morph it as if they're pulling his body apart like silly putty it's yeah. creepy they it's sort of so weird they sort of did a little uh, a, a little nod to it in rick and morty if you watch that show they also did a nod to that in robot chicken there's a Robot Chicken reference to uh, Turbo Teen also. I actually think it's the fir- you know I remember the one from Robot Chicken. Yeah. But I think it's the first episode of Rick and Morty where where they're running away from they're running away from uh, the drones and Rick says something like like Morty Morty I, I put nanobots in your 
I put nanobots in your bloodstream to, to make you turn into a car. You gotta concentrate, Morty. You gotta you gotta do it. You gotta concentrate. And then he doesn't do it. And then he's like, it's okay. I, I, I found one of these cars. And he goes, and then like later in the episode, in the after credit scene, he like falls asleep in class and then turns into a car and crushes somebody. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw that. Yeah, it's like, I want to say it's episode one of Rick and Morty. Well, anyway. I'll have to go back and watch it. But you should. There's, so there's two other things that, that Alan Dinehart did that I kind of want to mention. Because uh, he worked on a bunch of stuff. But one of them is an animated show about the Rubik's Cube called Rubik the Amazing Cube. A.K.A. product placement. Like So fucking hard. There, there, are a few, there are a few cartoons that came out in the 80s that were so blatantly product placement. A few? Uh, most. All? Uh, most. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you, you, had, you had stuff that was really blatant, like He-Man, where... They would use the toys that you would buy, and it made no sense in the in the context of what they were doing. They're like, "We're gonna take the suction, we're gonna take the claw glider." It's like, you know, it, it why would do you need a claw to yeah. glide through the air? Yeah, it would yeah. make no sense, but it was a toy. And and Rubik the Amazing Cube was like a show. I want to say that lasted a year. I think it was like one season. One season that was just that was just trying to capitalize on the popularity, popularity of, of the Rubik's Cube yeah. in the 1980s. And then the other one is Saturday Super uh Saturday Supercade TV series. And it was about it was a like a vignette of multiple animated shorts about Frogger, Donkey Kong Jr. and Donkey Kong Space Ace, Cubert, uh the guy from Pitfall. Yeah, what you know what one and of these, Kangaroo. One of these things is not like the other. Which one is it? Fucking Space Ace. I know. What's, what's it do? Frogger, Pitfall, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong. So Jr. this is in 1983. So what they did was is they just picked a bunch of like random popular arcade games and decided to like, well, uh, screw it. Let's make a cartoon show. <laughs> They're like, what's what's happening, fellow kids? They did. What are you up to? They did like what? Two seasons on that show? I have no idea. You looked it up more than I did. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I spent, Sean knows, I, I have like six pages of notes that we did. I'm not even, we're not even going to cover them all because we could be here for hours talking about all this stuff, but. Yeah. So I think, I think let's, let's talk about the voice cast. The voice cast is good. And, and I think we need to mention the voice cast for a couple of reasons. So the first thing that I just want to mention, um, and I'm going to kind of go a little bit out of order here. And, and I want to mention this because. It's all right. Nobody can see the order. That's true. So, so we're so going in complete total order. We're going in Chris's order. So I want to talk first about Clance Nash, who was Donald Duck from 1932 to 1983. He was the original Donald Duck. He was the original Donald Duck. This is his last time as Donald Duck. And so he. this is the only original voice actor in the movie that, that we're talking about today. Because Pino Corvick for Goofy... And Walt Disney, who was the original Mickey Mouse, had both died already in the 60s. Well, the original Jimmy, Jiminy Cricket, who was played by Cliff Edwards, and Billy Gilbert, who was the original Willie the Giant, both died in 71. And then we also had the Pete the Cat and... Black Pete. And the Big ba or Black Pete, whatever, and the Big Bad Wolf, played by Billy Bletcher, died in 79. So he was the only original voice cast for this. And I, he's kind of a cool guy because... There was, there's some stuff that he would do, like, in the 1970s, he was kind of often known for taking walks in his neighborhood around Fremont Elementary School in Glendale, California, and he would entertain kids with his Donald Duck voice, and and as as he passed, like, kids, he would, like, do the Donald Duck voice and stuff on the street, but when he got older, it, it got harder for him to do the voice, and so he would only do it in limited public performances, but he would limit those public performances to only be for kids. You know, it's kind of like um, that's kind of like Jim Cummings. He call. I, I remember reading about how Jim Cummings will call the uh, like I don't know cancer wards, like children's hospital. Like he would Saint just call Jude. him up and be like, he'd a, call and he he'd do like Winnie the Pooh or he'd do Tigger and he'd call them to talk to them as Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and yeah, and whoever is, else just to like. Just to be like a genuinely good guy and talk to the kids as Winnie the Pooh. I mean, that, that's like, you know, this guy didn't have to do that. He gets paid. I mean, he got paid good money to just be Donald Duck. He didn't have to go and do all this stuff, but he did because... That's how you know someone's like a good human being. Yeah, I mean, I feel a like decent he was, human he was being. a good, decent human being. Um, at least from the stuff that I read, he was known for, for being a good, decent human being. And... 
That's he was, good. He was also he Huey, played Dewey, the most, too. He, oh, yeah, it, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, too. Oh, yeah, because Huey, Dewey, and Louie, if you remember the original Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and not the ones from DuckTales, the original Huey, Dewey, and Louie sounded exactly like Donald. Well, also kind of cool is that the original Daisy Duck was also him. Yeah, all the duck characters just sort of so, sounded like him because, the, because this the, was the first, wasn't this the first instance of Scrooge McDuck being animated and voiced? Yes. No, the, no, wait. I think he had a er, no, he had a earlier um He did? Yes. It was like a sh- like an animated short or something for um I think it was like a like a animated like silly cartoon Silly Symphony like Silly Symphony or something or or I can't remember what it was. Maybe some sort of Disney presents. Yeah, but he did have an earlier appearance. Yeah, because um, because uh he was Scrooge McDuck was prominent in the Disney comic books. Yes. Long before this. That's where the character had its origin. It was Scrooge McDuck, and then it w- he would usually give... Uh, yeah, like back in the 50s, I think he yeah, did. He yeah. would give weird contests to Donald and his cousin uh, Gus, Gus the Gander. Something, I think. I, think I, that's I don't remember. Was. Yeah, and then it would be something for money, where he would pit the two of them against each other to like win some money from him by doing something crazy. There, so so let's move on to Alan Young then, who's the voice of Scrooge McDuck, who also worked on the production and, and the storyboarding and stuff for this movie. Scrooge is Ebenezer Scrooge in this, in, in the Mickey's Christmas story that we're covering. And he's best known for being Mr. Ed also. Oh my god, he was the, Mr. Ed. The famous Mr. Ed. Oh, Wilbur. Yeah, so he was Mr. <laughs> Ed, but he, he also did live action acting. He acted in Tom Thumb in 58, and also... The uh, live-action Time Machine. Huh. Did you ever see that? I never saw the live-action one. The the original Time Machine film that came out in, like, 1960 or something, it, it's based off of the, the old book. and, uh, and it's, Morlocks and all. Yeah, it's a, it's a good version, actually. Huh. I really enjoyed it. But, is, I it mean, is it better than the Guy Pearce version? Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I, I just pretend that that version didn't happen. I only know it is the original. So, something that I like about... <laughs> about Alan Young just based upon looking up some of the voice acting stuff that he did is that he did a spooked version of himself named Haggis McHaggis in four episodes of Ren and Stimpy. I remember that. Yes, I did too. He wore like a kilt. And, yeah, it yeah. was a kilt. It was the full voice of Ebony, of, um, um, of Mr. Scrooge. Yeah. And <laughs> like, like he came like zero fucks. Uh, but almost every iteration of, of Mr. Scrooge or Scrooge McDuck has been him except for a few times and I'm trying to think who did I think it was I think Jim Cummings might have done one uh and maybe Frank Welker might have done another or something but but he is basically the voice of him the next character we have to cover is Bob Cratchit who of course is Mickey Mouse. Ebenezer Scrooge's uh, assistant yeah or, long-suffering assistant yeah played by Mickey Mouse and it's pl- it's so weird to talk about this because you have people who play characters and those characters play other characters it's full on like Disney uh, Inception. Yeah, like I'm surprised. I'm surprised in the credits of this movie that they didn't just go full on, full meta and say like Ebenezer Bob Cratcher, Bob Cratcher played by Mickey Mouse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Mickey Mouse is done by Wayne All- Allwine, who is a Disney legend himself, and he died in 2009. He is technically the longest running voice of Mickey Mouse by a very short period of time, but but he has it for 32 years, and he married the voice of Minnie Mouse in 86. That's so cute and weird. So, <laughs> um, or maybe, I think he, he no, excuse me, they got married in 91, and she voiced Mickey uh, Minnie since 86. But they used to work together on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. It, so if you if you have kids at home, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse is this um, computer-generated, animated Disney kind of show about... The core Disney characters. You got Mickey, Minnie, uh, Donald, Goofy, Daisy. Occasionally Pete will show up. Willie the Giant will. Everyone's will show up. Uh, The Chippendale uh, chipmunks will show up. And they teach kids about shapes and colors and numbers and problem solving and stuff. It's educational. I mean, I don't mind it. It's not bad. I don't hate watching it. Hot dog. Yeah. Yeah, Hot dog. The hot dog dance? Yeah. Oh, man. My kid was dancing hard to the hot dog dance this morning. I may, uh, I maybe have watched a couple episodes hungover when I was in college. Well, it, it's or slightly been, after college. I was gonna say it must be after college because I think the show started in yeah. two thousand seven. Yeah, there was there was a def- so, there was a definite period of time where I was you know nursing a hangover and I turn on the TV and I'm just watching Dora and 
Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and what's the other one? I that reminds Teletubbies. me Teletubbies. Dora the Explorer. That reminds me of this meme uh, that I that I love with a. It's just like a picture of Dora of a kid's uh, plastic bowl with Dora inside. It's like your uh Dora bowl. Yeah, <laughs> terrible. It's, it's such a dead joke, but so <sighs> so Wayne Allwine. Uh, his first appearance as Mickey Mouse was this movie. And, and he's done a bunch of stuff. I mean, pretty much anything that was Mickey Mouse from this movie onward. Actually, from 1977 onward. Because he did the new Mickey Mouse Club, too. So, from this movie onward, it was him. Uh, they did the Three Musketeers movie. Did you ever see that? I it, did. It, it, it was good. Yeah. I rem- Oh, at least was- I, re- I remember liking it. Yeah. Fantasia 2000. Uh, Prince and the Popper, uh, which I can't wait to do. Wait, and who framed Prin- Roger Rabbit? The Prince and the Popper, a much older movie. No, ninety one, I think nineteen ninety or ninety one. I remember have... seeing it in the theater. I promise. There had to have been an older version of that. No, no. You know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Mickey and the Giant. Yeah, Mickey and the Beanstalk. Yeah, which we'll talk about later because yeah. it's important. So uh, he also did Kingdom Hearts. Oh, uh, which was cool. And Sora. He's also apparently he was a famous sound effects editor. He worked on Star Trek Five. Oh, that's not something you want to tell people. <laughs> we don't talk about the odd-numbered Star Treks. Oh, God. You know what? Star Trek Three wasn't bad. It wasn't great. But but screw you, because they bring they bring Spock back from the dead. Yeah, they also have Christopher Lloyd in there. Yeah. He's the oh, main he's the main bad yeah. guy. Yeah. If if you had to rank the if you had to rank the odd-numbered Star Treks, it would probably, you know, it would probably go three, one, five. I'm talking yeah. about original series. Yeah, yeah. It would go three, one, five. Oh, you know who's in one? I re- I'm pretty sure he's in one. Is the the dad from Seventh Heaven? Oh, you mean the child molester? Yes. I'm yeah. Pretty sure no, he's, he is. Yeah. He, he's Deckard. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's Captain in, Deckard. Yeah, he's in. Uh, he's in the first one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, easily, easily number two with Khan is number one, and then I would say is my first is my first favorite. And you know what else is Star Trek six? You know what I go two four six. Oh, see, I go two six four. Okay. Yeah, I go. I go two. two. Oh, you, you like the whales that much? You know what? I will say that number four is by far the funniest and has some of the best scenes in the all ca- of the, the campfire scene. And so, yeah, we could do an entire podcast on Star Wait, Trek. The campfire scene? I thought that was in five. No, that was star- no. There's two campfire scenes. Oh, I'm thinking there's of this- one in four where they're on Earth and they're they're singing like uh, row your two. boat. Yeah, row your boat. They're like this song is royalty free. It's royalty fucking free. We'll sing it all we want, you bastards. It's fucking royalty free. <laughs> well, at that point, I guess that would make sense. Yeah. Right? I don't think they had a huge budget for Star Trek Four. They might as well have uh, just sang Happy Birthday. <laughs> So so let's let's move on a little bit with with some of these voice actors. We got Hal Smith who did Goofy. He's best known in live action as um, the town drunk in the Andy Griffith show. He was Otis. Goofy yeah. was Otis. Yeah, he was. <laughs> that he actually was. is very apropos. He was only I think he was only Goofy for like a, he wasn't Goofy for that long. No, and his voice is very distinct. It's more like you know it's it's like more like sort of it's, it's a deeper voice. Yeah, it's a hick deeper voice. Like it's yes. weird. Scrooge, don't you recognize me? I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Ebenezer. So, I mean, Pino Corvick, the original Goofy, is so iconic. And the guy who vo- who voices uh, Goofy after Hal sounds just like Pino Corvick. So, That's Bill Farmer, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and Hal's fine. Hal Smith is fine. He does a good job. In like, and I remember stuff with his voice. But... Um, it's not the same for me. But he worked on other stuff. He did the uh, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. He was the owl. And um, he he was in DuckTales. He's Flint Hart Glumgold and uh, Gyro Gearloose. Oh, that's good. Yeah. He's also the horse from Beauty and the Beast. How do you... He plays two horses. He's the horse. He's Philippe in Beauty and the Beast. And he's also Jafar's horse. How do you he play is. a horse? He's stealing work from Frank Welker. Yeah, it's uh oh, you know something that he did? He worked on the Adventures of the American Rabbit and I still have this fucking stuffed animal somewhere. He is like this bunny like uh whose fur looks like the American flag and he's got roller skates. The only thing that I remember that involves a rabbit is the Velveteen Rabbit. Oh, well, I don't know much about Velveteen Rabbit, but um Will Ryan was in this and he's Willie the Giant, who we mentioned just a second ago. Willie the Giant is a big giant from um, Mickey and the Beanstalk. Mickey and the Beanstalk. 
And he did a bunch of other stuff. He did. He worked on the Welcome to Pooh Corner, which is like the sort of live action, like puppet version of oh, Winnie God, the Pooh. Oh God, I remember that one. The yeah. Nightmare Fuel. <laughs> and Dumbo Circus, also more Nightmare Fuel. That one was live action too, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Oh God. But he was Petrie before in Land Before Time, and he was the seahorse in Little Mermaid. So, oh, and he's in a movie that I really want us to do at some point uh, called Rockadoodle. He's the voice of this pig um, called Stewie. So I, I think we've done. I think we're gonna do Rockadoodle. I, I I think it'll be. I, I hope we do. <laughs> so we got to mention Jiminy Cricket, who uh, the original voice actor's gone, but the guy who who voiced it in this, his name is Eddie Carroll, and he did Jiminy Cricket in anything that was Jiminy Cricket from '73 to 2010, and uh, he didn't really do a whole lot. He did a bunch of live action stuff, but Patricia Paris. In this is Daisy Duck. She only did Daisy Duck twice, if and you include in, this movie. And in, in this movie, Daisy Duck only has like two lines. Yeah, she has like v almost nothing. So she was Shelly from Jabberjaw, Kanga from Winnie the Pooh. And uh, it, a bunch of these characters in this did work on the Adventures in Odyssey radio show for the Christian uh, uh, radio show. Uh, but but <laughs> she worked on that too. Dick Billingsley did uh, Rue from Winnie the Pooh in A Day for Eeyore. Uh, he was Morty and uh, Freddy the Field Mouse, or okay. Tiny Tim, basically, in, in, in this movie. And, uh, of course, Donald Duck, who we mentioned before. But I just want to mention very briefly the, the music. Who It was done by a guy named Erwin Costell, who died in 94. And he is really impressive because he never attended college and instead taught himself music by arranging and studying the symphonic scores that he found in his local library. He that learned is, stuff from a library? He he He's self-taught. This guy is not for nothing because he and Leonard Bernstein wrote West Side Story. That's not like that's a big play or anything. It's like a nothing, right? I mean, he also worked on Sound of Music, Chitty Chitty, Bang Bang, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, and Mary Poppins. So, you know, I mean, like, I guess he's like a nobody or it's something, It's not right? like there's music in any of those. Yeah, I mean, it's like whatever. He also wrote He also wrote the music in Pete's Dragon. Oh, yeah, that's right. He which did. Had, which, yeah. had, uh, which had some really disturbing songs, but they were fun songs. They were fun, disturbing songs. Yeah. I, 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 I don't think I've watched Pete's Dragon in a long time because, like, I just remember, like, bits and pieces. Kind of, kind I think, of how I felt about this movie before we watched it. Yeah, I think one of my, I think my favorite song from Pete's Dragon is the one that the fam, I can't, no, I can't remember the name of the families, but the family is, is, uh, singing when they're looking for little Pete. Oh, the White Hillbilly family? Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, they're like, Pete, Pete. And then they, they start singing. They're so I'm creepy hillbilly. They're like, I'm gonna love you and hug you and kiss you and love you. And then the, uh, the, like, the two brothers are like, and we're gonna bash you and kick you and smash you and kill you. And it's like, <laughs> gonna snag him, gag him, drag him through town. Put his head in the river, let the pup drown. Trap him, strap him, wrap him in a sack. Yeah, tie him, scream into a railroad track. Yay, a child violence. No, the whole thing was like they were trying to trick him into coming back, and then the, like, bro and the brothers were like, we're going to beat the shit violence. out of you yeah. when yeah. you come back. Well, well, I, I mean, there's other stuff we could talk. I don't want to go too far into yeah. it. We've already discussed a lot. Yeah. The thing about this is that if you know anything about A Christmas Carol, I, I will just describe it briefly. It is, it is a redemption story about a crotchety old rich man who abuses his workers... And he is vi he is visited by a fever dream in the middle of the night, which he assumes is three ghosts that show him the error of his ways, the shit he's missing out on the now, and his possible shitty future. Yeah. He wakes up, has an epiphany, and decides to treat his employees not like a horrible human being. And just being. treat humans in general as... A, as... By the right. way, do that's, you... I mean, that's basically the story do of you A know, Christmas Carol. Do you know the first line from A Christmas Carol? No, I don't. Marley was dead. <laughs> that's the first line from a christmas carol is it really yeah well that's awesome it's one of those it's one of those like classic first lines like call me ishmael marley was dead i i apparently i didn't know how classic that was because i didn't yeah. know well it's okay i forgive you so so what do you remember about this this movie like i said this movie was a movie that i watched religiously every year I so much so that I remember the movies that it was attached to because this movie is only 25 minutes long. 
It's not a very long movie at all. And so I remember this movie being a lot longer, but that's because in the VHS version of this movie, they packaged it with two different movies that went, two different uh, animated shorts that went along yes, with it. Yes, they did. It was a uh, Donald Duck snow fight one. Yeah, you and I have talked about that. That I love that movie. Yeah, so it was packaged it's, with It's that. like seven and a half minutes long, but yeah. god damn it, it's so good. And then what was the other one? So I, I remember this differently because my parents recorded it on VHS off of the Disney Channel, I think, when I was a little kid. It was probably, you know, the Disney Sunday night movie, because that's it, where I recorded a lot of shit. Yeah. So for me, I got the I got the snow days, the the snow fight one that you yeah. and I are talking about. Donald which, Duck versus his nephews. Yeah, which came out in I think nineteen forty eight. And then it was I also remember two other animated movies, and I think my recording had three. So the first one is a, a ski jump movie with Goofy. Goofy, yeah, that's the that's the other one where he keeps going. Yeah. Yes, no, I remember so that. So it's one. like Goofy trying to do an Olympic ski uh, ski jump. Yeah, and then the other one is the one that you and I were watching right before we started. Yeah, this. we we went and found. Uh, I think it's called Pluto's Christmas. Yeah, where, Pluto's where Christmas Chip, tree. Mickey goes and chops down a Christmas tree, and Chip and Dale end up inside the tree, and they take it inside, and Pluto. And Chip Loses and Dale, shit. they have like hijinks and Sue. Yeah, I, I remember those movies as part of yeah. this movie because that's how I saw. That's how I watched them. But this movie, just watching it by itself, is, I, you know, yeah. If you would have told, if you would have told me, good. it's like, so good. Yeah, I remember. I remember this movie really well. And if you would have told me that the movie was only twenty five minutes long. I, I would have, not have believed I you. I would have told you you're full of shit. I'm like, no, I watch this movie all the time. I remember sitting in front of the TV for at least an hour and a half. It's like this thing had so much in it. Yeah, but really the story the story is 25 minutes. Yeah, it goes through it really fast. You have the establishing scene where where you see that uh, Ebenezer Scrooge is just a miserly bastard and yeah. then he and, and Raddy and Mole from uh from Wind in the Willows. Wind in the Willows show up and try and ask for money. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of cameos in this. You've got people, like we said, we got people from background characters from Robin Hood, the animated one. You've got background characters from The Wind in the Willows. You you've got a couple characters from uh, that you and I recognized from the animated Robin Hood movie. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Dog from Robin Hood. Yeah. Um, there's uh, Clara Duck and Angus McBadger. I mean, there's all of these characters that kind of just they're just like little once off. Uh, Horace uh, Horse Collars in this. There's a bunch of these, like just yeah, like the random big, characters. The big bad wolf and the three little pigs from yeah. the Disney short. Yeah, they're in it too. Mother but, Rabbit and Grandma Owl. I mean, there's all these like random ass Disney characters. Yeah, this was a movie that I watched at my. I, I I always remember watching this at my grandmother's house, and I would beg her to put it on because my grandmother was a very Italian grandmother who was very strict, and uh, she would not. The one thing she would do for well, not the one thing, but one of the things she would do for us is she always bought um, Disney movies when they came out on VHS. She had a whole cabinet full of Disney VHS movies, and. I would beg her to put this on because I wasn't allowed as a kid to touch the TV because they had a very old push-button TV with a VCR. I wasn't allowed to touch it. So I had to beg her to put it on and she would put it on for me. And it just, like, this movie, much like the Christmas season in general, just sort of brings me back and reminds me more than really anything that we've watched so far. It, it really brings me back and reminds me of my youth because it, it's really it's really the, the picture of me like sitting in front of the TV with my with my knuckles on my chin and like eating an apple or something and just yeah. watching this. Well, and you have siblings and so do I. And I, I very specifically remember watching this with my brother and sister. And like my mom would be cooking something or like we'd have fresh baked cookies. We'd have the tree lit. We'd sit on the floor. There was a fire in the fireplace. We'd watch this movie. And I mean, yes, you have all these like things going on and nostalgia like blah, blah, blah. But independently, as an adult watching this, and honestly, I haven't, I haven't watched this in 20 years. This is good. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's well done. It's well animated. The music is good. The sound is good. The background animation is good. Everything is smooth. Everything's cohesive. The voice acting is good. I don't think that there's really anything in this that you can fault. And it's 25 fucking minutes. Yeah. So if you don't really have a whole lot of time, but you want to put some shit on where you get ready for something or whatever, this is the time of year to put this on. Yeah. And I, I, I just want to say, because I, I, I have a three-year-old. Well, she'll be three uh, coming up pretty soon here. And she loves this. So I showed it to her when we very first decided to start doing Disney stuff. I get all of my Christmas stuff out and I decorate the house on Black Friday. So the house is done, lights on the roof, I'm out there with the ladder, everything's done by Black Friday. I have this on on Black Friday. Yeah. <laughs> 
she watched this then. She has seen it, I don't know, four or five times since then. And she likes this a lot. She really enjoys it. She's actually asked for it a couple of times. I feel like that's not a bad sign. Yeah, no, that's a, that's um, a good endorsement of, of the movie. And, and the, the thing about it is, is, is it's timeless. It's not like there's, it's not like, a, I mean, the movie is about a classic Christmas story. It's not something that's ever going to go be outmoded. And the animation is such that in another 20 years, it's still going to be good. Well, that's the thing about all of the Disney animation. Um, that it, all of the Disney, I won't say all, 99.999% of the Disney animation uh, is really smooth. It's beautiful to look at. You don't have to listen to anything and you can just look at it and go, wow, that's really impressive. And if you're not looking at anything, you can just listen and go, wow, that sounds really good. There's really nothing about these that is like bad. Like this, because um, we, we did Wacko's Wish a couple weeks ago, yeah. right? And I kind of feel about this that I feel about that, except that I also have a just a ton of nostalgia for this. Mm-hmm. So it's like that plus my nostalgia, which I know like colors my rose-colored glasses, but I don't care. Put this on for your kids. This was fun for me. Yeah, no, and it, and if I had kids, I would play it for them. Like this would be one of this would be a movie that I would keep in the library to bring out every year. You know, see some people play It's a Wonderful Life every Christmas and some people Which is kind of a depressing movie if you oh, know yeah. what it's about to put for kids. Yeah, the I movie mean, starts with a guy wanting to commit suicide and trying to. It's, the entire movie of It's a Wonderful Life is about suicide redemption. Yeah. So, but this is not that. This is just It has a well, it has a good message. I mean, it, it pretty much simplifies the story of A Christmas Carol. But Very has, much so. But it, has, it has a good message. It's funny. I mean, I laughed at some of the parts. I think that, that there are some, definitely some parts, especially like when um, Ratty and Mole come in. They're, they're asking Scrooge, when they're introduced, they ask Scrooge for donations for the poor. And Scrooge goes through this whole song and dance about how he's like, well, I would give you money for the poor, but if you give money to the poor, then they wouldn't be poor anymore. And if they're not poor anymore, then you won't have to collect money for them anymore. Then that means you'll be out of a job. And he says, gentlemen, don't ask me to put you out of a job. Not on Christmas Eve. And they're like, oh, we wouldn't ask you to do that. He's like, okay, fine. And then he kicks them out and he throws the wreath at them. Yeah, but I mean, he's he's a dick. No, he and absolutely is. And that's the whole point is he's supposed to be a dick who has this redemptive process. It's like it's like the Grinch. <laughs> he has a tiny heart and then by the end of it his heart grows three sizes. That's another one we've been watching all the time lately. The Grinch came out in 1966. Do you know that? All I know is that Thurl Ravencroft was the voice of the, of the, the yeah. narrator singer. Yes. And I like that I know the name Thurl Ravencroft. <laughs> it's an impressive name. Yeah. But it came out in 1966, and it's still good. Uh, we, we, we could review that next year, maybe. But we could just review it whenever. That's, that's my stepdad's favorite movie. I love that movie. And my kid loves it, too. We, I'm actually watching The Grinch far more than I watch Mickey's Christmas Carol. Have you ever seen The Grinch with the Jim Carrey one? It's not terrible, but like I've got better shit to do. Have you ever been to Universal Studios during Grinchmas? No, I haven't either. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't care enough to go. But um, you're a weird one, Mister Grinch. Oh, Jim Carrey. You act um, in weird movies. Uh, you let, let me do anything for money, and it's really not that great, Mister Grinch. <laughs> you should stop making movies because we hate them. Uh, I don't know. I'm not good at making up songs on the fly. <laughs> well, besides Sean's terrible song making, uh, I'm no thorough Ravencroft. No, no, definitely not. That sounds like a Hogwarts house. It kind of does. <laughs> I mean, at least or I like mean, a like a like a mage. <laughs> I'm Thurl Ravencroft, the head prefect of. See, I, I imagine Herber like a, he'd be like a pyromancer. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's just like what I pictured. I uh, want to be a cryomancer. Really? Oh, that'd be cool. I guess. I just uh, think all that ice all the time. But if you, I was thinking about this the other day because I was watching Justice League on Netflix. If you're a cryomancer like Killer Frost, couldn't you also control water? Well, of course. So you're really an you're really you're a waterbender. You're yeah, you're an aquamancer. Yeah, waterbenders for life. Yeah, <laughs> but so 
I, I think, where, yeah, where did we get off track here? I don't know, but but I think our consensus here is that this movie is amazing. This movie is good. It's it. I don't know if I'd say amazing, but but it's good. Our nostalgia. I would say amazing. So I would say objectively, it's good. Our nostalgia makes it amazing. Yeah, and it's I'll, really I'll say that. And and the thing too about it is it like like Chris was saying, it's very low risk. It is twenty five minutes long. And granted, the turtle movie we reviewed last week oh, was only 22 minutes long, but that is objectively a pile of shit. And that is by itself. You don't even have to compare it to anything. It is objectively a dumpster fire. That is, there are no words for how bad, I, it is easily by far the worst thing that we've watched for this show. No question, hands down. I wanna, and this is not that. This is, pro- I would say this is probably closer to I wanna, I wanna hire the top a, end. I want to hire a poet. To draft an epic poem about our ab- journey about of, how into te- madness, while about we watch how it. terrible <laughs> we wish you a turtle Christmas is. Uh, I feel like somebody out there probably no already words did it. should have sent a poet. <laughs> well, this, this is not that. Yes, I, I, I think. I think if you when, want some classic Disney that also would remind you of maybe you know your youth twenty to thirty years ago. Well, there's no reason to not watch this movie. So if you're going to watch something with your kid or you're going to put something on and go to the other room, this will fill the void for both. Yes. Go go have that glass of wine that you so desperately need, Karen. <laughs> and if you're not if you don't need to go get a glass of wine and you're just going to sit there and watch something with your kid, this is fine too. You're not going to hate it. Uh in fact, you might probably I would say you'll probably enjoy it. You know, you can um, fit an entire bottle of wine in a 32-ounce 7-Eleven cup. <laughs> I did know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so really, you're only having one glass. Karen? You you know, what you can also do is sneak your own vodka into 7-Eleven and make alcoholic slushies. You used to do that all the time. Why do you need to sneak it? Just leave it in the car. <laughs> no, no, no. Because you want it to mix in with your Slurpee. Oh, I So you. you pour like... You pour vodka and then Slurpee and then vodka and then Slurpee. And then the guy gets mad at you when you try and drink out of the Slurpee machine. And then you get asked to leave. <laughs> I, had a, I know nothing about this. This has never happened to me I in had my a, life. But. I had a friend when I was younger who used to routinely go into 7-Eleven and get the double big gulp soda thing. Uh-huh. Because that's 64 ounces. And he would fill... I think it's 64. Whatever. It's a big-ass cup. He would fill it with Slurpee. And he would do this <laughs> regularly. And they'd, he'd go up to the counter. And the person would be like... Oh no no no! That's for that's for soda only. He's like, oh, I didn't know, and they'd be like, ah, oh, whatever, and they just charge him for that because that was cheaper than getting the biggest Slurpee, and you got more. That's sad. I know he. Was, that's sad. He also got in trouble for writing checks to himself so he could cash them. He got his he got his debit <laughs> he got his uh, he got his ATM card taken away for like a year. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, it's because the bank would give you immediate immediate funds if you deposited a check. So he wrote he essentially oh, committed bank fraud so that he could get like twenty bucks. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And with that, I think we're done. <laughs> yeah. So so we interrupted our regularly scheduled program to bring you these three Christmas episodes, and we're gonna jump right back into our regularly scheduled program. Yeah. And we're gonna talk about Ghostbusters, the real Ghostbusters, not that Funimation bullshit. No, definitely not. We have three. Oh, episodes. not Funimation. Sorry. That's no, anime. no, no, no. Filmation, not Filmation. the Filmation bullshit. No. Did you know the Filmation also did a Pinocchio? Yes, I did. Yes. So maybe we could do that too. But at any rate, we got Ghostbusters. Yeah, we got the, three episodes of Ghostbusters. The real up. Ghostbusters. And, and and I think that'll do it for us. Yeah, I hope you've enjoyed uh, this sort of holiday-themed excursion that we've been doing. Uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol along with the others. It's the end of the year, and I think I think uh, it's kind of a good time to say the, the last, I don't know, almost 20 episodes have been kind of fun. Yeah. And, and we have a bunch of stuff planned for next year. If you have suggestions, uh, comments, concerns, complaints... Uh, leave out the concerns and complaints because well, concern, F you, but con- concerns are okay, but complaints can, you can shove them up your ass. Yes. But the rest, you know, bring to us. We'll answer them back. We have yeah. a Facebook page. Yeah. If you just search for childhood remastered on Facebook, you can like us on there and yeah. Like share what we have if you like it. And, yeah. and if you don't, uh, then go away. Yeah. Uh, we have Twitter. Yeah. The Twitter handle is at remastered cast. You can uh, talk to us on there. We, we try and post as much as we can. We also have old timey, uh, old timey email, old timey email. So, uh, you know, flag down your nearest carrier pigeon, grab that shit by the legs, and uh, attach an email to it. Send it to childhoodremastered at gmail.com. 
And uh, our music, our is music also if provided. You, yeah, if you like our if you like our intro music, it's done by uh, a guy named John Howarth. You can find a link to his uh, SoundCloud in the show notes. Uh, he's a he's great electronic music. Uh, he still does a lot of fun stuff. We thank him so much for letting us use his song "Nascent." That is the song that we use in our uh, in our intro, a song "Nascent" uh, for our intro music. So thank you so much. Yeah, it's good all by itself. Yeah. regardless of the intro. So yeah. Um, and and I think uh, I think that'll do it. For yeah, us. if you could, so, if you so, could like, uh, not like, but uh, review us five stars on uh, on uh, iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. It certainly helps us out. We're able to uh, reach more people. The more likes we get, or not yeah. likes, but the more more reviews we get. So we'd appreciate that. We do this for free, so we're we're not really concerned about money. But you know, we want people if they like it to share it, and hopefully other people enjoy it too. Yeah. So so I think this will close out. 2016 it's been a hell of a year for yeah, sure seriously uh but but we got lots of fun stuff planned for the next year we have guests that are going to appear oh, next year yeah. we have several and uh and i think that'll do it for us so yeah. so uh we hope you've enjoyed this trip down memory lane and until next time i'm sean and chris and this has been your childhood remastered we will see you next time